Welcome to the Story Geeks Podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm Josh. Yes, and we are going to talk about... So this is our addendum to gold blooming. And as we've said before, there uh, are so many connections with Jeff Goldblum and geek films. Yeah. How can the Story Geeks not address some of those? True. So we have a series going on. Um, Josh is doing a serial for Network 1901. He asked me to be a part of it. It's called Gold Blooming. It is about the life and career of Jeff Goldblum. It, we, were, we were just talking about it after we stopped recording, and we said, this is one of the f- most fun times of our week. It is really fun. I love sitting down, watching films, and then just kind of analyzing them and getting together with you and talking about it because we have totally different experiences <laughs> watching these films. <laughs> it's totally different. And yet and yet we agree on uh, we agree objectively. It's just subjectively that we a lot of times don't don't agree. And this was the first time that both of our wives watched the film with us for Earth Girls right. Are Easy. I'd like to know what your wife thought and what my wife thought and maybe they're different as well. Oh, that would be fascinating. So, what did Angie think? Angie is uh, mediocre on the film. She enjoyed it. She would watch it again. Yeah. But it was not her favorite of the series so far. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I would say Jessica has not watched any with me besides this one. Right. And I would think she that she would say that it was, like we said, completely ridiculous. But she had enough fun that it was sort of like, Okay, that was really interesting. It wasn't just like a... Yeah. You know, like, whereas some of the films, she might be like, I'm really frustrated that I watched that. Yeah, it's a fun film. Yeah. But there's there's no thinking involved. <laughs> and, no. like, what we did in analyzing it was probably the most anybody's ever really thought about that film. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be very true, yeah. Uh, but it was fun, and I enjoyed it for what it was. It's not like a, you know, earth-shattering film, mm-hmm. but it's fun. Now, on the Story Geeks podcast, this addendum, if you will, to Gold Blooming. So if you're not listening to Gold Blooming, please go over to Network 1901. I think we plug Network 1901 like every single week, I think, because we love what you guys do. Yeah. And if you're not listening, please go over there and listen to that. And actually, consider becoming a patron, too, because they actually, will, if you don't become a patron, you won't hear all of the What Would Jeff Goldblum Do scenarios. Yeah, you're missing out on the exclusives, too. Yeah. In fact, last time we did ours on the fly, I was like, oh, man, I really liked my Patreon answer better than my normal Yeah, the, uh, normal, the normal podcast You wish answer. that we would have put that one into the show? Well, no, I just wish more people would go be patrons so they could sure. hear it. Yeah. So definitely do that, too. Um. Today's topic, though, is not so much about the film itself. So we've talked about this a little bit, but the film is a total farce. Um, You mentioned, and I totally agree with it, that the film doesn't seem put together at all. It seems very random. It's directed by a music video guy. So my question is really like this falls very solidly into science fiction. It's aiming to be science fiction. Sure. It's trying to be a comedy as well. And it's trying to be a zany comedy. So my question to you, and that you and I are going to kind of just go back and forth on, I don't know whether this is a dig deeper or a hash it out. Maybe it's a hash it out episode. But basically, I want to hear from you, do films like this hurt a genre or do they help a genre? Any genre or science fiction? Let's, let's, let's say science fiction specifically. Sure. Uh, I think... That it depends on the film, but I do think it can be an introduction for people Mm. to sci-fi. I think, uh, to make a weird comparison, because Star Wars is so popular, 
right? That you clearly would probably have seen Star Wars, but Spaceballs <laughs> yeah. is the goofy, zany equivalent. Uh, you know, That's a good point. And Spaceballs maybe ha- have been, for some people, the introduction to the Star Wars universe, but there is a place for these types of films. Um, I'm trying to think of a recent one. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these films, a lot of these zany films end up being like straight to video type stuff. They do actually, yeah. or or like now kind of Netflix, exactly. Uh, you know, Adam Sandlery type of stuff, exactly. And then you make fun of Adam Sandler for it. Uh, <laughs> but there is stuff that you know was really good, and and some people start their careers um, in zany films. Like in Earth Girls Are Easy, Jim Carrey is. A zany, wacky guy. Yeah. He continues that into In Living Color on television, then continues it into Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber before eventually being taken a little bit more seriously, even as a comedic actor being taken more seriously. Right. Uh, because I think a lot of people saw him in Ace Ventura and were like, this guy's kind of a fad. Right, right. You know, right, maybe right. he won't last. Kind of like how a lot of SNL cast members are, like right after they leave SNL, they'll do one or two movies that are kind of really goofy. Yeah. Um, and, and then they just don't work anymore. I kind of think like Chris Kattan, Oh, sure. you know, like yeah. was great on SNL. He did like monkey bone with Brendan Fraser <laughs> and right. then was like nowhere to be seen afterwards. Did you like night at the Roxbury? The movie? Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, I love that movie. I, <laughs> I think that movie's really funny. I love the shorts and I think uh, it works. As, and I think sometimes when they do shorts, like the ladies man, I think works as a great SNL short and fails as a full-fledged movie. Oh, yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, very Night at the Roxbury was, yeah, just not not for me. But maybe, I don't know, maybe on a rewatch. Uh, I, I saw it when it first came out, so yeah. who knows. But, uh, you know, an uh, actor like Eddie Murphy, I could kind of see as, like, Jim Carrey, where Eddie Murphy started out as really goofy and silly, and then even though he was doing comedy roles later, like Nutty Professor and stuff that were still outlandish, he was taken very seriously as an actor. So I think sometimes we see these zany, weird little films, uh, almost as the launching pad for comedians, or maybe they're, you know, the, the pitfall for comedians. It could be either way. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think it's a really good point. I think as a science fiction fan, it's hard for me to see these films as sci-fi no, as helpful for the genre. So, okay, so there's two differences, right? I think you can make a parody loving the material. Kind of like, like Spaceballs, kind of. Yes. Right? Spaceballs is a, is a great example of, like, this is a ridiculous movie, but we all realize we really, truly love it. And, I'm, right. we, and, and it's sort of like, so Spaceballs is like legit parody, meaning like, it's not trying to be a science fiction film. It's trying to be a Star Wars parody. And it just so happens that Star Wars is science fiction, so therefore it is a science, it's fiction, a science fiction film. Yeah. Whereas I look at Earth Girls Are Easy, and I think there was no reason to make it a science fiction film. No, not really. Yeah, so it was just sort of them trying to be ridiculous. And in fact, the best parts of this film are not science fictiony at all. Right. In fact, I would argue that I didn't we didn't really I didn't really identify this in the in the um in the gold blooming episode. Gold blooming episode. But I don't really like the film at all when they're aliens. 
No, me neither. Yeah, I was like, this is this is terrible. But until they <laughs> become human, and you're like, right. oh no, I can roll with this. I could, you know, you could say that they would work as like foreign exchange students, yes, kind of thing, and that it would make just as much sense as yep. if they were aliens that landed their spaceship. And they still could have come in, and they still could have, they still could have like been not hairy and colorful like they were, but like they could be downtrodden looking and sort of weird looking and have like, you know, right. and, then, and then they go to the salon and still get made up to look better. Right. right. Yeah. So I think there's something to be said for like paying homage to something by parody, making it a parody. But I think if you're trying to make a genre film, it, it's, you gotta, you've got to love the genre. And I don't get any sense that the people made this film love the genre. Maybe, I mean, maybe. I do think that even, uh, you know, non-comedies can, you know, a, a bad sci-fi film can be just as bad as a good, as like a bad comedy sci-fi film. Like, uh, I kind of portray this to, or I parlay this to music in that I believe in my heart in my soul that uh, <laughs> there's no bad musical genre. There are good and bad artists within a genre, uh, right? Like sure. I'm not a huge fan of country music, right? But I can say that if you put on um, certain acts, I would actually say, I like this. Yeah. And it's not because I like country music. It's just for the fact that I love those acts. They just happen to be country. Right. The same thing with pretty much any genre. You can say uh, the same with film is that there are good and bad films within a genre. Do they help? Do they not help? Uh, you know, you could say a film like, uh, you know, if you were to take sci-fi, for example, Star Wars. Star Wars is uh, when most people think sci-fi, they probably think Star Wars or they think, this is the movie that introduced me to sci-fi. Right. Right. But then uh, you get like other films that are just like, I don't know, like Doom or something, right? Where it's like, <laughs> this is dumb. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, there are definitely those parodied kind of outlandish comedy versions of everything, right? Like um, another example in the horror genre is Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is hilarious. Yes. And it's a good comedy film maybe first, but it could also be an introduction for people into the horror genre. So I think comedy is a great way to get people involved into a genre as a great gateway drug. Um, it just so happens if that movie is good or not. Yeah. Like exactly. to me, earth girls are easy is not the greatest film. Right. But I've seen like Spaceballs, a great comedy sci-fi. Absolutely. You could even say like a, an animated sci-fi like Wally. Yeah, Wally is a film that would get you into sci-fi because it's good and it's science fiction. Yes, yes. It, so, so basically, if we were, if we were to come to terms on this, then what we're basically saying is, if you intend to make a fantastic film and and actually pull it off, you probably are a fan of the genre that you're trying to make. In other words, you're not using the genre as a gimmick. You're using the genre because you feel like it's a story you want to tell within that genre. Yeah. And I also feel like, especially for this film coming out in the late 80s, um, this was the rise of the music video director. Yeah. You know, and like everybody that was 
getting into directing was doing music videos first, yeah. then doing full-fledged films. And sometimes you just don't have the chops for that. Right. And it's fine. You can be an advertising director for TV. You can be a music video director. Um, and, and then you know your limits. Yeah. And Julian Temple is a fantastic documentary director, fantastic music video director. I would never say that he is the best feature length film, um, you know, screenplay written original screenplay type of director. It just doesn't, right. Right. Doesn't connect. Yeah. And to that point, I think a lot of music video directors, when they're working with an artist will choose a genre to tell the story of the music video. Yes. But the artist probably isn't even a fan of that genre. Well, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, when you're three right. or four minutes, there's not a lot of plot that needs to be exactly. laid out. You can have elements of things and that's it. Exactly. This film has elements of a lot of things, but like a music video, none of it really gets put together. It's just yeah. kind of like flashy stuff everywhere. Um, there are great music video directors that have transitioned in. I forget the name of the guys that, that did it. Um, McGee, McGee was always kind of a big yeah, deal, right? Yeah. And what did he do? I can't remember what the movies he did. I'd look it up, but I'd have to look it up too. Um, but the guys that did the turn down for what music video from a few years ago, Oh yeah, yeah. uh, did Swiss army man. I and seen that. I love that. Film. Really? It's a fantastic piece. Um, and it's great filmmaking and it's totally different than their music videos, but it's still kind of outlandish and weird <laughs> while still being, uh, kind of a buddy movie, kind of a drama, yeah. um, a little bit of a comedy. Like it's just like so well done huh. because their music video directors, the music is so well done. In fact, I would say that in the past couple of years, that might be one of my favorite music soundtracks from a film. Um, really? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's fantastic. Wow. It's what so, kind of a soundtrack is it? I can't tell you without you listening to it. Oh. It's every um, every quote unquote instrument is actually just somebody's voice. Oh, it's, oh, it's, so it's all like all acapella. It's all acapella, but it's not like your classic, uh, you know, barbershop quartet kind of acapella. It's more like sound people making like pop sounds and making like all kinds of weird sounds with their mouth and then being able to mix it down together. So that's like very much like, you know who Mike Tompkins is? Yes. Yeah. So it's like that? Kind of like that. Ah, that's yeah. Cool. You'd have to listen to it, but it's, it's interesting, but there are great music video directors that can transition into that. It's just knowing your, it's knowing your limits. And Julian Temple to me, again, uh, a great music video director. I actually think one of his documentaries that he did, um, about Joe Strummer, I love Joe Strummer, so uh, I'm a huge fan of The Clash, so of course like it already appeals to me. <laughs> but his documentary about Joe Strummer after he died, um, called The Future is Unwritten, is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Really? So he's a fantastic storyteller in that genre. Right. And in that way, but as far as a written script, I just don't think he he delivers. Interesting. And so especially you, this early on in his career. Yeah. Because he went straight pretty much from music videos to this. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I brought up McGee. Now let's see if you let's see if you like some of the the music videos that he directed because they are mostly what would be considered pseudo California bands back in the early or like late nineties I'd say early two thousands. Okay. Okay. 
Smash Mouth. Perfect. Both Why Can't We Be Friends and All Star. Okay. So both those. He directed Corn, Who Then Now, Sublime, Bare Naked Ladies, which is a departure because that's more of like a contemporary feel. Sure. Um, Offspring, going back to punk roots there. And then Sugar Ray every morning. Yep. Those all make sense. And how do you feel about those videos? Those actually line up a lot with the Julian Temple thing. Really oversaturated colors. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say. So what movies did he end up doing? So here's where it gets both bad and good, depending on (laughs) how you feel about these. Okay, good. The, The where he really probably made it big was in Charlie's Angels. Okay, yeah. I didn't like that film much. I didn't get into it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Sure. He also did char- the follow-up to that one, Charlie's sure. Angels Full Throttle. Full throttle. The one that he directed that Daryl and I were just talking about this. because So Daryl and I don't always agree on films, but this is one we totally agree on, and we actually really love this film, and most people hate it, but it's Terminator Salvation. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? No. Oh, man. I stopped at T3, and I was just like... Nope. Well, okay. So in defense, we're so far away from Earth Girls are easy now. Oh, yeah. But in defense of... Uh, no, but this is good because you're talking about good and bad sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. So I think the first Terminator film is magnificent. Yes. I love the first Terminator it's film. It's genre bending. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's it's very... Um, what do we want to call it? Cutting edge for its time. It's like ahead of the game, right? Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Judgment Day. Daryl is. Daryl loves Judgment Day as well. T2? T2. Dude, that's the best one. I love the first one better. Okay. From a, from a story yeah, perspective. Yeah. The, the second one throws a bunch of super cool stuff at you. I will not. Yeah, James Cameron was, was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just from a story perspective, I don't like it as much as I like the first one. But Terminator Salvation, I think, is a fantastic film. And okay. I love the way that it changes the dynamic and that it deals with it. Some of the action sequences. So mo- there's not a lot of films that like you know you, like you get a, you get sick for the day. So you and I both run organizations or at least contributing to organizations. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like you don't get a lot of free time. <laughs> no, not at all. So when you do have like one of those days where you're like, I can't do anything because I feel terrible. I'm just gonna watch movies. That is one that I will consistently go back to. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just so watchable to me. It's so watchable. It never stops. The the special effects are there for, I think, for there for good reasons, and they're cool. Whereas, like, I don't watch Transformers. I don't like Transformers. That doesn't work for no, me yeah, at all. No, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. So you have to watch it and let us know if you're... Okay. Because both Daryl and I like it, which is not always what happens. Sometimes we're on very different pages with films. Yeah, I think most people gave up on Terminator like after the second one because the gap between two and three is so exactly. so far apart. Um, it's interesting, though, that his maybe claim to fame being a Terminator director. I guess Charlie's Angels maybe would have been a bigger box office. I'm not sure which one's the bigger box office. But... He went from these really overly saturated, huge kind of music video productions to being this kind of gritty, dark sci-fi yeah. director. Interesting kind of uh, dynamic there because Julian Temple really kind of sticks to this like huge, overly saturated, fun, kooky, uh, California Valley type of look. Yeah, it makes you, it makes you wonder like what the storytellers want to stay consistent with. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. if you look at like a, like a, um, Steven Spielberg, we talked about his movies recently too. He's all over the place. Yep. He starts out with sort of like a kind of a template, like adults dealing with kids, dealing with a serious situation. Yes. Right. Um, in a, in a, in a way that always kind of turns out positive. But from there, he goes all over the map. And I watched a documentary of his. I, I think I mistakenly said it was, on, it was on Netflix at one point. I don't think it is. I think it's on HBO. But fantastic documentary. And he talked about the struggles he had to go through as a director to learn how to, how to change and how it, he messed it up several times. But I think it's interesting to watch a director. So you, you, like, like you talk about the guy that directed uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. It's like he, he might just have a, I don't really care what other people want me to do. This is what I want to do. Yeah. You know, and that's cool too. Like, do you want to stretch yourself? Go for it. If you feel like this is what I was put on the earth to do, then do yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. But definitely it's not for everybody. Definitely. But not I also for think, you know, the same can be applied to even, you know, the best of creators, Steven Spielberg, uh, sci fi film AI, not his greatest work. <laughs> right. And something that if you've never gotten into science fiction before, you might watch that film and be like, this is why I don't ever want to watch science fiction. <laughs> You might get out of you might get out of watching movies. If you watch that right, <laughs> it's just like I've been sitting here. It seems like five hours have passed. <laughs> What's going on? Exactly, exactly. So again, you know, to me, like it's not about does this does this kind of outlandish idea of a comedy spoof um, ruin the genre. It's whether or not the movie is good within the genre that yep. makes sense. And when you have that kind of crossover. Um, application of it being a comedy and a sci-fi film, you have a possibility to introduce people to genres they may not necessarily be into. Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. And Steven Spielberg has done sci-fi. He's done horror. He's done all kinds of things that have done really well. Yep. It just so happens that sometimes movie concepts don't land. Uh, and Earth Girls are easy. It's kitschy, it's fun, it's silly, but it just doesn't land to the point where you would go, yeah, I love sci-fi now. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you might say, it's a fun little comedy, yeah. but you're never going to be like, all right, now I'm going to pop in Prometheus because <laughs> this was like, the, this was the time in which I'm just going <laughs> right. to jump into this. So, But you might go pop in Save by the Bell and be stoked. You might, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, I think that it's, it's more a testament to its comedy rather than its sci-fi. Yeah. But you look at a movie like... Uh, Back to the Future, and I would say the same thing. It's kind of sci-fi, kind of comedy adventure, uh, and I would lean it more towards comedy adventure than I ever would sci-fi. Yeah. And so I wouldn't watch Back to the Future and then say, even though it's a fantastic film, yeah. wouldn't say, all right, watch Back to the Future. Now I guess it's time to watch some like hard sci-fi. Right. You know, I'm not going to go from that to 2001. Right. But... It could, all these things could be an introduction, little points and stuff. You're like, oh, for whatever reason, I like all these movies that have to deal with aliens and space. Maybe I should watch more sci fi alien space movies, right? Right, right. Um, right. So I, it's open to interpretation, but for me, it just is a matter of is it a good movie or not? And especially when it's those double genre type movies. Right. Of like, if it's a really good movie, that's the possibility for crossover appeal. Yeah. Like, you look at this past year, 2017, It was, like, a huge movie for people who were into horror, but it was also a huge pop culture film. 
Yes. And so it might have been for a lot of people their introduction into horror. And it was such a good film that you might think, okay, I liked it. Maybe now it's time to watch, uh, you know, uh, a similar movie like, I don't know, Ghost Stories or something that just came out. (laughs) Um, You know, but then you might go and like watch, you might go from it and then watch Saw and be like so turned off and you'd be like, oh, that wasn't the type of horror I was looking for. Yeah. So it just all depends. If you go from it to The Shining, you might be in a good place. You might be in a good place. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Cool. Well, I'd love to hear what the audience thinks as well. So let us know. Do you think that genre films that are kind of kooky, maybe kitschy, maybe not made by fans of the genre, do you think they could help or hurt? Send us an email at thestorygeeks, uh, thestorygeeks at gmail.com um, and let us know what you think. And we'll, 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 uh, we'll answer you too. We, we do that from time to time. Sometimes. We, <laughs> we try to do it every time. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's just like some weird bot that's emailing us. It's like, hey, hey. you want to like free stuff? We're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Not a thing. No. All right, Josh, how do people find you? Uh, you can find us over at network1901.com. It's kind of our hub for everything. Uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Modern Mouse Josh. Yeah, and, and Modern Mouse Boutique one of the organizations that Josh helped start with his wife, Angie. Yeah. Um, they're doing a whole new category of style for their Mickey headbands. I shouldn't say Mickey headbands. They're, they're park headbands. And they're now they've got bow ties that they're coming out with. Yeah. They've got headbands they're coming out with. All kinds of accessories. Super cool stuff. Yep. So I would say they're... So I don't, I don't wear the headbands. However, I'm I'm at Disney all the time. Yeah. And so I see the headbands all the time. Yep. You make better headbands than Disney makes. I'm starting to see them actually like outside of Disney too. Like uh, my friend Corey from the No Midnight Podcast and I were sitting down and watching WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're big wrestling fans. And like a girl in the third row, like, (laughs) you know, so I don't know how many thousands of dollars she paid to be like almost front row at WrestleMania. Uh, wearing mouse ears, just just cause Whoa. you know. So I think it's becoming more of like a, a regular style, co- like component of style that people are going for. Yeah, people just kind of want to wear them out. But you, have, I mean, we're gonna do bow ties, like mini hair bows, um, not like mini mouse, but like little tiny hair bows. Yeah, yeah, things like that. So we're kind of an accessories brand now, more than just Disney stuff. And um, depending on when you're listening to this. We're going to be launching a brand new website that has all of that stuff. So if it, if you're listening to this before May first, 2018, um, don't go to the website. But if you are, <laughs> but if you're going in May first, 2018 and beyond, we'll have a brand new website that will have all of our stuff. That's modernmouseboutique.com. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and definitely check them out because, like, I would tell you, I see people with headbands in the parks all the time. And I'm like, why would you want a headband that's just okay that literally millions of other people have? It's true. Why not get a custom one that no one else has that's way higher quality? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know either. Whatever. Um, cool. Well, thank you for joining me, Josh. If you're not listening to Gold Blooming, go listen to Gold Blooming. You should totally, totally listen to that. It's an amazing show. At least I'm saying it's amazing as if like... I mean, you're on it, so you're a little biased. I'm a little biased. Yeah. I should say I have an amazing amount of fun. 